The following audio is from Heritage Christian Fellowship. More information about Heritage Christian Fellowship is available at heritagefellowship.net. Hello. Hey, hey. How are we doing, guys? All right, all right. Looks like some dads slept in. We got some, uh, some empty chairs. That's okay. Happy Father's Day to all you dads out there. Um, man, just so blessed. All of us have a dad. Whether it's our father in heaven or whether it's a father that we didn't even know. We all have dads, and I'm just thankful for that. So uh, just a couple announcements real quick, guys, before we, we get into the word. Um, uh, first of all, you guys all got a little piece of blue paper when you came in. Um, so if you uh, would just even pull that out, take a look at that at some point, um, take it home, put it on your fridge. That's kind of the master list of, of events coming up uh, for this summer. And there is a lot of things going on that you're going to want to know about for sure. Um, but just a couple things that, that I will particularly point out um, on there. Next Sunday, uh, that's June 26th, okay? Next as in seven days from today, uh, we're going to have a newcomers meet and greet. Uh, so basically, if you're, if you're new to the church or, hey, maybe you just don't really feel like you have a finger on the pulse of what's going on around this church or you want to get to know some of the pastors or some of that, those kinds of things, we're going to be meeting over at the Holy Joe's, which is what Cascade calls their little coffee shop that we use right here. Okay, we're going to be meeting over there right after church next Sunday. Um, come check it out. Jeff's going to kind of address the group, tell you a little bit about the church, a little bit about who we are, and then we'll have uh, question time. We'll have all the pastors will be there, elders, elders will be there, and you can get a chance to know some of the leadership in the church. So if you're new, I kind of want to direct you that way. That's kind of uh, the primary way we want to get to know you there at first. Secondly, uh, there's another thing coming up uh, on July 9th for those of you that may be interested in becoming a member of this church. So again, if you're new and you'd like to find out more information or you haven't yet become a member, uh, this is uh, called our Heritage Basics class. And it's basically a prerequisite if you would like to become a member. You, we ask that you attend the class, hear about who we are as a church, what our mission is, what we believe theologically, doctrinally, all those types of things. So that's next, uh, I'm sorry, I don't even know, it's July 9th at 9 a.m., and that's over at the Heritage Hub. Capiche? Everybody got it? Every pastor hates doing announcements. It's like the worst part of the whole morning because you're just like spouting off information. So now that we're done with that, let's pray. Um, guys, here's the thing. So I'm the, I'm the worship pastor here at Heritage. And so my heart and my vision, my mission for this church is engagement. The biggest thing that I want and the biggest thing that I long for and the biggest thing that I shoot for with you guys is this, this church is, is just the level of engagement and seeing you guys feel like you're not just sitting and you're not just watching, but that you're part of this, that this is church where we all come together and we all do something. So what I like to do when I preach sometimes is I like to take a minute and actually give you guys a second to pray on your own. And there's something that happens the second that you choose to engage the Lord, Something happens, you go from being like sitting there just waiting for something to happen or sitting there zoning out like I do all the time or sitting there thinking about what's for lunch or whatever. You, you go from that and then the second that you engage the Lord and say, God, I'm here and I'm ready and I wanna listen, something happens. The Holy Spirit shows up, the Holy Spirit does work. So I wanna, I wanna do that just for like 20 seconds. So on your own, it'll be quiet for a minute, but we'll all just to ourselves invite God, ask him to speak to you this morning. Ask for that prophetic word for him this morning. Ask for the truth to be spoken, the truth of the gospel into your hearts, and then I'll pray and we'll keep going.
And Father, this morning, God, we are here because we love you. We're here because, God, we cannot do this thing called life on our own. We're here, God, because so many in this room have tasted of, of, the, of your goodness, Lord. And we want to hear from you. God, we're here because we know, Lord, that the church is where we grow. We're here because we acknowledge that the scriptures and that your word are our lights. We're here because we know that you love us and we want to meet with you, God. So, Lord, I pray that you would take the dry bones of whatever will come out of my mouth and make it supernatural, make it living, make it life-changing, life-altering. God, I pray that you would breathe on this message, that you would breathe on the text, that you would breathe on my dead words and bring them to life. God, because we need you this morning. God, we're desperate to hear from our Father this morning. So we invite you, Holy Spirit, to come and do what you do best. Illuminate the beauty of Christ and the glory of Christ. We pray this in Jesus' name. All God's people said, amen. All right, if you guys have your Bibles, turn them open. First Corinthians. We're going to take uh, a one-week break from Philippians. And uh, Jeff really wanted to do a topical teaching this morning on fathers. So if you need a Bible, throw your hand up in the air, and a good-looking guy over there named Mitch will bring you a Bible, and that's your gift if you want it. Uh, Jeff did want me to tell you guys, he misses you guys, he loves you guys, he wishes he was here, but he's on family vacation with his, uh, with his family there in Florida, Disney World, poor guy, so he's suffering, um, but he does miss you guys, and he will be back in the pulpit next week. Five o'clock, end of the day, finally. Your work day's done, it's over, time to go home. It's been a stressful day, as usual, at work. Haven't been hitting your sales numbers like you really have to. Your boss is writing you continually. Hey, when are you gonna get your numbers up? Hey, when are you gonna get your numbers up? The stress of work bears on you daily as a man. It's frustrating, it's hard. You have um, fiscal needs at home that need to be provided for. The dishwasher's broken. The lawnmower's broken. The AC's broken. The bills pile up. The kids need new clothes. And your, your wife is sort of depending on you to get this bonus so that you can get some of those things paid for. And you're feeling the pressure. You're putting pressure on yourself to provide continually for your family. And you're tired. It's stressful. It's very stressful. And the guilt of feeling like you're not doing enough is eating you alive. As you're driving home, you, you begin to try to decompress, try to calm down, try to like, get into a different mode because you don't want to take all the stress of your work home with you to your family. It's not fair to your kids. It's not fair to your wife, right? And, and so you're trying to decompress. By the way, this, this message is primarily to men. <laughs> but women, this is, this is the gospel. So hear it, everybody kids, okay? You're like, wait, what? My wife? Okay. Uh, you, you, you're, you're, you're stressed from work. You're coming home. You're thinking to yourself, oh, great. I love to come home. I love to be home. I love my wife. I love my kids. Um, and then there's a little bit of excitement. A flicker of excitement comes over you as you're driving home, and then it quickly goes away as soon as you remember more guilt, 
See, not only do you feel like you're failing at work, and not only do you feel like you're not providing at work and not working hard enough, you also feel like you're failing at home. You feel like your kids could have a better dad. You feel like you know you haven't been spending the time that you should in, in the word with your kids. You know you haven't been leading them spiritually like you know that you should. You know that you have been absent at home even though you're physically there. You've been checking out. And you think to yourself, man, if my job was just easier, then I'd have more to give to my family. If, if only my boss wasn't such a jerk, right? Then I'd have a little bit of emotion and a little bit of love left to get to my family. But... Ultimately, you seem to have nothing left to give at the end of the day. You just feel more and more guilty. And the more guilty you feel about being a bad father, the worse father that you are. So as you're thinking to yourself, you, you think for a moment, well, maybe I should just tell my wife and kids how I feel. Maybe I should just tell them I feel like a failure. I feel like a failure, but that thought quickly goes away, right? Because you instantly remember your dad. Your dad never talked about his failures. Your dad just did what he was supposed to do. He went to work. He provided. He put food on the table. He was strong. He was tough. And so you, you, you quickly realize, I can't share weakness with my kids. I can't share weakness with my family because men are supposed to be strong, right? That's our job. We're the foundation, we're the pillar of our houses, not to mention the embarrassment that comes as a man with admitting that you feel like a failure, that you feel like you're not a good dad, that you feel like you're not a good husband. You don't want to admit that. Nope. It's time to buck up and just keep pressing on, keep plowing the field. Besides, your kids need to learn to be strong, right? And you're the example. How are they going to learn to be strong if they don't see you being strong? How are they going to learn to keep pressing on when they don't want to if they don't see you pressing on when you don't want to? So you keep quiet. You keep trying. Guilt continues to crush you as you feel like a failure, and you live that way day after day. Sam, that is depressing. I know. I had my wife read my sermon. She's like, that's so sad. <laughs> I'm like, does that, does that mean I shouldn't use it? Or is that just, that's, that's not an uncommon thought process. That's not an uncommon, you guys would be amazed, especially you wives, you moms. You would be amazed how many dads in this room feel like that every day. They feel like they're failing. They feel like they're failing as providers. They feel like they're failing as spiritual leaders feel like they're failing in, in, in engaging their families emotionally, and they feel it every day. So God designed men, right? He's the designer. He's the master craftsman of men, and he designed us very specifically. He wove into our DNA very specific things, and that wasn't on accident. Here's a few of the things that God designed into men. Uh, first of all, we were designed for battle. Okay? We were designed to go out and conquer things. Like if we see something, we have to conquer it. I'll give you a perfect example. It's uh, 20 minutes before church is going to start. Uh, I really wanted to go uh, find a cool place to just sit and pray a little bit before, before uh, church started. And I know the river's out here. And so I'm kind of looking down there like, oh, the river's down there. I could go down there. I've always wanted to go down there. There's not really a very good trail. It's, it's kind of just sketchy. I'm like, whatever, you know. So I just start climbing my way down. This is like... 40 minutes ago. And before you know it, I'm like traipsing through mud, right? You know, in my new shoes. And I'm just like, oh man, this is horrible. And I'm like, I should just turn around. But I can't. 
because I have to conquer this. I mean, like, I have to get down to the river now. Now I'm, now I'm determined, so I get down to the river. But then I get down to the river, and I still want to keep exploring. So I just keep going. I'm going down the river, and of course, I find a homeless village or whatever, you know. And I'm like, whoa, hello, okay. It's like, where's the pastor this morning? Why, why didn't he come to preach? It's like, oh, well, he's dead. Um, you know, he's some, some homeless guy's dinner. So, so I kind of turn around. Is that too far? I'm sorry. Are cannibal jokes not okay with you guys? I'm, so, I'm sorry. Okay. So I turn around. I'm like, this is bad. I got to go. And I just decide to book it straight up the hill instead of trudging through the mud that I came. And, and the, the, the hill, of course, is foxtails and blackberries. And I'm like stickers everywhere. And I, 20 minutes ago, I was in the bathroom washing the mud off my shoes. And why did I do that? Because I have to conquer, right? It's just, it's woven into my DNA. We're designed to do these kinds of things. We operate better when we have a task, at hand. We work good shoulder to shoulder. Guys have the best conversations when we're out doing a project together, when we're driving in the car, when we're going somewhere shoulder to shoulder, side to side. Uh, we, we, we communicate best when we're preoccupied with, with a goal. And we have this ability to compartmentalize different parts of our life, right? To put them in rooms and boxes and set them aside and move on with life and keep pressing on to push emotion down. This is kind of how God designed men to be. And it's not a bad thing. God made us that way for a reason. Now, not only did God build us that way, he also built us to have an internal understanding, at least at a basic level, of what it is to be a dad. Now, whether you're a Christian or you're not a Christian, you know. It is in, unless you are just not a man at all. You know that as a man, your job is to provide and protect. Okay? Christian, non-Christian, doesn't matter. Every man knows that your job is to provide and protect. You hear something go bump in the night? Sounds like something's trying to get into your fence in the backyard. What do you say? Babe, go check that out. <laughs> tell, tell me how that one goes. That's what me and Randy do at least. But No, you get up and you go. That's your job. You're the man. You know that. No one has to tell you that. Hey, get up and go. No, you just go check it out. Your kids are hungry. You don't have food in the fridge. Hey, babe, time to get a job. No, you go make more money. You figure it out. You do whatever you have to do, right? You do whatever you have to do. That's just built into you as a man to know that you will scrap and you will hustle and you will do whatever it takes to provide and protect for your family. War comes upon a nation. The men go. Okay? We don't send our women. We go. We're built that way. We're designed that way. And we know it. Okay? That's built into who we are. Now, look at the text. 1 Corinthians 4.14 will be our text for this morning. 14 through 17. Paul the Apostle writing to the Corinthian church, he says this. He says, I do not write these things to make you ashamed but to admonish you as my beloved children. For though you have countless guides in Christ, you do not have many fathers. For I became your father in Christ Jesus through the gospel. And I urge you, then, be imitators of me. That is why I sent you, Timothy, my beloved and faithful child in the Lord, to remind you of my ways in Christ as I teach them everywhere in every church. Paul says, I am a father to you. Okay? I'm a father to you, Corinthians. And he distinguishes himself, notice, from guides. 
Okay, look at verse 15 again. For though you have countless guides in Christ, you do not have many fathers. For I became your father in Christ Jesus through the gospel. What Paul's saying here is he says, you have lots of guides. Now what's a guide? A guide is someone who comes into your life for a season, for a moment, okay? And they, they give you advice, they help you, they tell you maybe, you know, here's what you could do, or here's, here's what you could, maybe shouldn't do, or, or whatever it is. But guides are seasonal. Fathers are not seasonal, right? Fathers don't go, okay? My dad fixed my problems 10 years ago, and I still call him to fix problems. Hey, dad, how do I replace this? Hey, dad, what should I do about that? He's gonna be there in 10 years when I call He's a father. He's not a guide. He's around. Guides speak from a place of observation and separation. They can tell you what to do, but not have to stick around and deal with the pieces and put them back together. Fathers speak from a place of habitation. They say, no, I'm one with you. So your problems are my problems. Your issues are my issues. Fathers insert themselves into the problems of their kids, right? Whereas guides just say, hey, maybe do this or maybe do that. Fathers say, no, I'll do it with you. So Paul's saying, you have lots of guides, but I'm your father. I'm your father. Paul chooses to make himself the father of their needs. Now, uh, this is probably obvious, but was Paul really their father physically? No, obviously not. Okay, he's, he's talking about it in a spiritual sense. He says, I'm choosing to be your father. You're not actually my kids, but I'm gonna act like it. I'm going to take ownership of all of your stuff and I'm going to step into it. I'm not just going to be a guide. I'm going to be a father. He says, I'm going to take full responsibility and ownership of your needs. Well, what needs, Paul? They're spiritual needs. Paul says, I'm, I'm, I'm more than just a physical father to you. I am your spiritual father. I'm your father in Christ, and and, and my ultimate goal is to insert myself into your spiritual needs and lead you in your spiritual needs. so, so, So Paul basically is saying, being a father is more than just being a protector. It's more than just being a provider, right? It's more than that. It's not enough to just say, I put food on the table and I protect. When things go bump in the night, I go out. Okay, that's good. But as Christians... We are called to more than to be just simply a physical father, aren't we? We are called to be a spiritual father. But here's the problem. We would rather do anything as men than lead spiritually. And I don't say that to insult you. I say that just to say the truth. It is hard for us men to engage and lead our families physically. We would would rather break down a brick wall with our bare hands We would rather get a vasectomy than step into a bedroom with our daughter who is crying for no reason and try to sort out her emotion. Amen? Half the guys are like, no, I don't think so. The guys guys that have gotten that surgery are like, no, no. I mean, guys would rather do anything. They'd rather go fix the lawnmower. They'd rather go, uh, you know, work a second job than have to step in and try to uh, deal with the heart of their rebellious son who, for whatever reason, will not take any kind of instruction. 
It's hard for us men to be spiritual leaders. We love the war part. We love the conquer part. We love the, yep, food on the table. I got that. I'll go out and figure it out. I'll sell stuff on Craigslist. Whatever. I'll give blood. Whatever I got to do to provide. That's fine. I'll be protector. I'll buy a shotgun, gee darn, and put it in my room so that, so that we can protect our kids. We love that. But the spiritual leadership is hard for men. It's really hard. Here's an example of this, okay? You guys ever seen, raise your hand if you've ever seen the movie The Incredibles. It's a Pixar movie. If you haven't seen it, it's homework. Go see it. It's good. It's a Pixar movie. It's a kid's movie. And there's a line in this movie I love. So, so Bob isn't just Bob. He's Mr. Incredible, okay? Big guy, A-frame, superhero, lifts cars, throws trains. It's just a stud, right? He's just a man. He's not just Bob. He's Mr. Incredible. He's an important man. He's, he's looked up to because he's a superhero. He's literally a superhero. This is fiction, by the way. Uh, you guys are like, what? Superhero? Um, I thought those were fake. No, th- this is a fiction. So Bob is Mr. Incredible, and he's needed. The cops call him when they can't handle what's going on. He stops robbers. He, he literally he even stops to get whiskers out of the tree, you know? I mean, he, he does everything that is needed of him. He, he's important, and he uses his brute strength for everything, okay? He needs to get the cat out of the tree. What does he do? Lifts the tree out of the ground and shakes the tree to get the cat. He, he's like, he's all brawn. He's all strength, and he's needed, and his strength is needed, and he feels important. Now, when Mr. Incredible is late to his wedding, because he's out stopping bad guys, and he shows up to the altar, his future wife leans into his ear, and she says, you know, where you been? (laughs) He's like, I told you I'd be here. And and she said, listen, in order for this to work, you're going to have to be more than Mr. Incredible right? And, and, and as the audience, you know, he just kind of like, yeah, of course, whatever. I can do whatever. I'm Mr. Incre- I'm Mr. Incredible. I can be a dad. I could be a, I could be a father. I could be a husband, whatever. And, and the audience, of course, anyone who has kids is like, yeah, <laughs> sure you can. But this idea, like, you know, you got to be more than Mr. Incredible. You don't, you don't just need to be all strength and all go out and conquer this and break the doors down. Like, no, as Christian fathers, we are called to be more than that. We're called not just to be physical fathers, but spiritual fathers. And the hardest thing for Mr. Incredible was not going to be conquering evil or stopping crime. It was going to be seeing his flaws as a dad. And he struggled at it. Amazing how profound those kids' movies are, right? Now, you guys are maybe saying, like, not again. Another Father's Day message where I go home feeling like a horrible father. It's really not my goal here. Okay? It's really not my goal. My desire for what we're going to look at this morning is to call you up, to see the reality of what a spiritual father is, but to take the yoke of bondage that you have put on yourself and replace it with Christ's yoke of bondage. Fathers, I want you to walk out of this place this morning free to be fathers. Free to be fathers. That's my hope. So here's the thing. We know that we fall short as dads. We know. The narrative I gave in the beginning illustrates that, right? We know that we fall short. We know that we are not the fathers that we could be or that we should be. I did a focus group for this teaching because uh, as soon as I found out I was teaching, I just, I really had this weight of like, I want to hear from God on this. I want a word for heritage from God on this teaching. And so I texted some of, not all of, but some of the best dads that I know. I texted like 15 or 20 of them. Can I just say this? We have some amazing fathers in this church. Man, I could have invited so many men to that. 
There are some amazing fathers. So I invited, you know, like 20, I think 12 came. It was rad. We met in the morning this week, and we sat around, and we just kind of, I just asked them questions, and we just kind of talked through some things. And you know what was unanimous around all these guys? And these are guys that I look up to. These are guys that are like, man, if I could parent like him, if I could be like that guy, you know what all of them said unanimously? We all feel like we failed. Even the ones whose kids were moved out and grown up and walking with the Lord and were good kids and, and, and things ultimately turned out totally fine said they still feel like they were bad fathers, that they felt like they failed in many ways. Super interesting. Here's the thing. I believe we've misunderstood what our ultimate goal is for not just fathers, but mothers. I, I believe that we've misunderstood what the win is, so to speak, for being a father. And because of that, we've put yokes of bondage on ourselves that we're not even supposed to be wearing. Now, yes, we're called to instruct our kids in godliness. And yes, we're called to instruct our kids to make good choices in the Lord. But these are not the most important things that we can teach our kids. It's not the most important thing. Tonight, or tonight, this morning, we're gonna talk about being more than Mr. Incredible and what that looks like, more than Mr. Incredible. So we have to ask the question, what is the win as a father? What is the ultimate? What's the goal? What, what is it that you say, okay, either I did it or I didn't do it as a father? We have to establish that. So let's look at our text. Verse 16, what does Paul say? He says in verse 16, he says, I urge you then, be imitators of me. Now, when I read that, my first thought is, but I don't think my kids looking like me is the win. <laughs> I don't. And I don't think any dad in here would say that. We see our flaws. We don't want our kids to just look exactly like us. But here's Paul saying that as a spiritual father, he says the win is, the goal is, what he's asking them to do is simply to imitate him. And you, maybe you're saying, oh, yeah, that's great for Paul because Paul was Paul, but <laughs> I don't want my kids to look like me. How can Paul say that? How can he make a statement like that? Either he's perfect, which we know isn't true, or he's delusional. Okay? I don't think it's either one of those. Because we know that Paul was not perfect. He talked about himself as the chiefest of sinners. He, he talked about, um, constantly talked about and drew attention to his flaws. He was literally, before his conversion, was the leader of the persecution of the early church. He was a religious hypocrite. I mean, Paul was a piece of work that God worked into something amazing, right? So how can Paul be saying, hey, kids, hey, kids, be like me? How can he be saying that when he's not perfect? And the reason he could say that is this. And you might write this down. The greatest thing that he could spiritually impart to his children was not his perfection, but rather it was his imperfection. The greatest thing that Paul could model for his kids was not that he was perfect, but that he was flawed. That was what made him able to say a statement like, be like me. Not be like my perfection, but understand my imperfection. See, Paul spent most of his ministry, much if not all of his ministry, in weakness. 
He spent a lot of it in prison, right? In the Philippian, uh, book of Philippians, the book of Ephesians, a lot of these books he wrote from prison, in bonds. As a weak man, he talked about this thorn in the flesh that constantly was jabbing him. I don't know what it is, they argue about it, but, but he had this constant weakness that he lived in. Paul had enemies, people that didn't like him, people that tried to cause divisions about him. So Paul lived in weakness quite a bit, and here he is telling his spiritual children, hey, be like me, but I'm a failure. I'm weak. I'm struggling. He could say that because he knew that they needed his weakness, not his strength. Look what he says in 2 Corinthians 12, 9. I'll just read it. He says, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient. This is Paul. My grace is sufficient, God speaking to him, for you. For my power is made perfect in what? Weakness. My God is, my, 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 let me start all over. For my power is made perfect in what? Come on, guys. My power is made perfect in what? One more time. My power is made perfect in? Okay, Paul says, imitate me because I am weak. And God's power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, he says, I will boast all the more gladly of my weakness. I will brag about my failures. I will brag about my struggles. I will brag about how weak I am because the power of Christ, it says, may rest upon me. So when you are weak, the power of Christ can rest upon you. Guys, listen. Our kids are going to fail. Do you understand that? This world is torn by sin. This world is demolished by sin. And not only is the world riddled with sin, and not only do we have an enemy that roars around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour, but also, and most importantly, we destroy ourselves because we have to live in a sinful Body, sinful desires and sinful flesh. Your kids are going to struggle. I know that you don't want to think about it. Some of you have seen it. Some of you have lived it. Your kids are going to struggle. Life is hard. They're going to have seasons of joy, but primarily they're going to have seasons of struggle. Struggle with illness. They'll struggle with spirituality. They'll struggle with truth. They'll struggle with all kinds of things. Life is hard. And humans are weak, and we're not getting stronger. The world is not on a trajectory of us getting better. The world, if anything, is getting worse. Humans are flawed, and life is hard, and your kids don't need your strength. Look at me. They need your weakness. They don't need to see a facade of what it looks like to be perfect and strong. They need a reality a truth, a view of what it looks like to live in the world that we live in. They need your weakness. We need to teach our kids how to fail. We need to teach our kids how to be weak. We need to teach them how to struggle because they're going to. And they need an example of what that looks like. You say, why? Why do I need to be weak for my kids? Why do I need to show them? You don't need to be weak for your kids. You need to show them that you're weak for your kids. Why? Because listen, it's in weakness that God's strength is seen most clearly. 
It's in weakness that God's strength is seen most clearly. When we are weak, God says, finally, you are out of my way and I can show up and show off. As dads, man, it's time to say, you know what? I'm tired. I'm tired of pretending like I'm Mr. Incredible. I'm tired of it because I'm not. And God says, finally, <laughs> because you were never the savior for your kids anyways. I am. I am. You never were in the first place. Jesus exemplified this perfectly. You know that? The God of the universe put on weakness. Jeremy talked about this last week. If you weren't here, go listen to it. He, he talked about the fact that God himself, the creator of the universe, the all-consuming fire, the un-understandable one, put on human flesh. Human flesh that was weak. Human flesh that struggled. And then he was betrayed by his friends. His flesh was broken and beaten and his hands were pierced. And he absorbed the wrath of God and he dealt with temptation and he wore emotion as he constantly was, 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 was drinking the reality of what it is to be a human being in a sinful world. God chose to become weak. Why? Because the number one thing he wanted to teach us was how to depend on God and his strength. Jesus didn't come to show us how to be perfect. He came in weakness so that we could understand how to rely on the strength of the Father. Now, Jesus was perfect, don't get me wrong. But he chose to live in a weak vessel so that we could understand how to live in a weak vessel. So how much more do we as fathers need to say, yes, I failed. Yes, I am weak, but it's for a reason. It's so that my kids can see and understand what it looks like to depend on God. This is completely counterintuitive to our culture. This goes against everything that we know and have been told in our culture. Weakness, or meekness is weakness, right? To, to be weak is to be a failure. To be a weak dad is to be, you, you know, to, to fail. To, to let your kids in and see your struggle and the, to let your kids in and see that you have a hard time and that it's, it's tough for you, that's, that's failure. You know, there's like, I can't remember the exact number, but like 1.7 or 1.9 billion people in this world are, are, um, are Muslims. And did you know that the religion of, of, of Islam at its very core completely combats what I just said? See, they don't believe in original sin. And they believe and actually view Christian men as weak. Because as Christian men, we embrace humility. We strive for humility. But in Islam, they believe that God gives you everything you need and then you gotta go do it. And to rely on God for things is weakness. And that has permeated so many ways our culture. You do it yourself. You chase your dreams. You make things happen. You be strong. And we think, oh, I have to model chasing my dreams and being perfect for my kids so that they have a, no, that's not the gospel. The gospel is that you model for your kids how to fail because ultimately your kids are gonna struggle and it's gonna be hard and they're gonna be let down and they need to be able to think, how did my dad, how did my mom fail? It occurred to me at this focus group that I did this week with these dads, it occurred to me that all of these dads shared this similarity of thinking that they were failures, and yet all of them were good dads. 
it occurred to me that maybe that's why. (laughs) Maybe they're good dads because they're honest and humble about their shortcomings and they've shared it with their kids. I have a fantastic dad. I have a fantastic dad. There's so many guys in this room that didn't even know their dad. There's so many, so many, so many uh, daughters and sons in this room that didn't even know who their dad was, right? But I had a fantastic dad. My dad always provided. He always came home. He always spent time with us. My dad and I were, were really close friends. He was my best man in my wedding. I love my dad. And never, ever went without. But you know what the greatest thing my dad did for me was? It wasn't any of that. It wasn't any of that. The greatest thing that my dad did for me was to share his struggles and his weakness. For him to be honest with me about him wrestling with the Lord, to be honest with me about his questions about the word, to be honest with me about but where he's at with the Lord and what he worries about or what he thinks about. The humility that I saw in my dad was the greatest gift that he ever gave to me. Because what that did is it set for me what a great man is. A great man is not someone who who puffs his chest out and grins and bears everything. A great man is one who is honest, who's humble, and who's willing to allow his flaws to make the greatness and glory of God shine brighter, right? And I'm thankful for that. Here's the thing, guys. (laughs) Your kids already know your flaws. Did you know that? You're like, what? (laughs) No, they do. Your kids already know. They have come to terms a long time ago with the fact that you are a flawed father. The question is, are you willing to come to terms with that? And are you willing to share it with them? Are you willing to allow your flaws to be the greatest lesson that they'll learn? Guys, your kids don't need you, they need Christ. And your weakness is the quickest way to get them to Christ. Because they need to see that in life we don't depend on fathers. We don't depend on our flesh. We don't depend on our jobs. We don't depend on anything but Christ because everything will fail but Christ. Your kids need the real version of you so that you can teach them to be the real version of themselves. Your kids don't need you to put on the Ned Flanders costume and say, okay guys, oakley doakley, time for family devotions. Your kids need you. You know what? They need you. They need you to be real. They need to see you get a flat tire on the side of the road, get super angry, and then come repent for it. (laughs) They need to see you lose your job and see you wrestle with how frustrating and mad you are at your boss. He cut you. And then come to them afterwards and say, man, daddy was way wrong on that. Let's pray for my boss. Kids don't need you to open up some prefabricated devotional, and and pretend like you're Mr. Spiritual. All that's going to do is raise duplicitous and fake pharisaical kids. Your kids need the real dad. They need to see your struggles. They need to see your flesh, and they need to see repent for it. They need to see you ask them for forgiveness time and time and time again and admit that you are not Christ. Every failure is an opportunity to lead your kids to the cross, What's the result? If we, don't, if we don't show our kids weakness, one of two things happens. Either your kids are gonna grow up thinking that something is wrong with them because dad could do it and I couldn't. Or your kids are gonna grow up 
and be fakers just like you are. Or both. Our kids need to grow up realizing my dad was just a man. And he was a humble man. He was a humble man. Guys, I'm not saying all this to shame anyone. I'm saying this to release you guys. If this feels burdensome for you, it's because it's you're not understanding it. I'm asking you guys as men, as fathers, and as mothers, and as men, and as women, I'm asking you guys, I'm pleading with you guys, understand that the greatest asset that you've been given for preaching the gospel is your weakness. Paul says, be like me because I'm a failure, but I see that my failure makes Christ much. It's the greatest thing you have to offer, your humility. So what does this look like practically? Let's kind of put some nuts and bolts in this. First of all, it's, it's not a cop-out, okay? Some of you guys are like, yeah, finally. <laughs> See, babe, I'm a horrible dad, but that's okay. No, it's not a cop-out, okay? <laughs> this isn't a cop-out. Like, well, Sam said, you know, being a failure is good, so I'm just gonna keep being a failure. <laughs> that's not what I'm saying. This doesn't mean you just get to, to, to be a, a horrible dad. It, it, what it means is I'm choosing to use my struggles as a tool. I'm choosing to insert myself into my kid's life in such a way where they get, I get vulnerable with them and they can see my, my shortcomings. That's what it means. Secondly, what, what does it look like? Uh, first of all, f- flaws prove effort, okay? If you're failing, hopefully it's because you're doing something. If you're not failing, it's probably because you're not doing something. Your kids need to see you aim big and repent big. I hope I fail a lot as a father because I'm trying big things. I hope I fail a lot as, my, as a father and, and can repent for it because I'm actually trying to go big for the Lord. Because I'm actually trying to do big things on mission for Jesus. And thirdly, our weakness is seen through the lens of God's perfection. What this looks like is that you let your kids see your failures with the backdrop of God's perfection. You compare yourself with the Father. He's perfect, and we're not. And your kids need to see that. They need to seek constantly who the perfect Father is. They need to constantly have their attention drawn to who He is. Fourthly, most, most importantly, what this looks like practically is wanting the greatest good for your kids. The greatest good for your kids. And realizing that you are not the greatest good for your kids. Christ is. You are not the greatest good for your kids. They need more than you. You will let them down. You will let them down. Look at verse 15 of our text. Paul says, for I became your father in Christ Jesus through the gospel. I became your father. So what made him their father, what made Paul the the, the father of the Corinthians was the fact that he was their father in Christ Jesus through the gospel. So Paul, his fatherhood was all aimed at the gospel. Everything that he did was for the gospel. Everything that he did for them was for the furtherance of the gospel in their lives. Everything that he did them was through the perspective of the gospel. So, So in other words, everything as a father was in hopes that they would get the gospel, that they would understand the good news that Christ gave everything for them. And ask nothing of it. That they would understand the good news that, that 
we were designed to be satisfied in Christ and that our greatest good is Christ. Paul's ultimate concern as a father was what they, that they would get that, that they would understand that. That's what made him a spiritual father. A spiritual father wants the greatest good for their kids and we know, right, that that is being satisfied in Christ only because we've tasted enough of this world to see that there's nothing there. There's nothing there. A spiritual father wants more than just this world for his kids. He wants more than just a good job, a college education, a secure home, and a family. We gotta aim a little higher than that for our kids, right? A spiritual father says, I want the ultimate good for you. The ultimate good. I just went backpacking with, with some of my, my best friends and my father-in-law, and, and uh, we, we went up to um, this rad lake a week ago or two weeks ago. And we're kind of, we get settled in, we spend the night, the next day we decide we're gonna climb this big cliff mountain thing. And uh, it, was, it was super fun. And we're, we're, we're climbing this thing. And the, the funny thing is when we were down at the lake and we were looking up at it, we're like, yeah, we could get up there. <laughs> oh yeah, we'll just go, boop, 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 you know? Like we're like kind of pointing it at it. We'll just go up that way and we'll, we'll climb up those rocks and that'll be easy, you know, no big deal. And uh, it was way bigger than we thought. <laughs> And it was way steeper than we thought. And, and we got up there. All the wives of the guys I went with were like, what? You didn't tell me that. Um, so we're starting to climb up this thing, and we get, we get halfway. And you know what I was thinking? Um, as I was climbing this, God, I felt like God was kind of speaking to me as I was climbing this mountain, is, is, man, we did not take the route that we thought, first of all. When you get up here, everything looks different. You think you could just, oh, we'll just climb up there and climb up there. And then you get up there and it's so steep and it's, 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 you, you lose sight and you lose perspective and you're just like literally one choice at a time. Okay, uh, I'm gonna go around that bush and then I'm gonna grab onto that tree and then I'm gonna go over that rock and then I'm gonna go over this. And it's like little decision after little decision after little decision, just making all of these tiny little decisions. And then you look back and you realize that the, over the last hour, all those tiny decisions that you made have got you to a certain place. And it's kind of like life, isn't it? I mean, we have very limited perspective. We don't know everything that's going on. And we're just making tiny little decisions. And then we look back occasionally over the years and say, well, all those tiny little decisions got me somewhere. And that was the path that I took to get there. And so the funny thing is, like, early on, I, I kind of went up ahead of everybody and I was kind of like scouting, if you will, like just kind of like, oh, okay, guys, that was easy or that was bad or that was a good way and that was a, that was a bad way. And I'm kind of yelling down to them, you know, hey, that's the easiest way to, to come up or whatever. And it just hit me as I was thinking about that. That's all it really is to be a father. It's to say, you know what, I climbed this thing. I climbed this thing. And now I get to shout down to my kids. Hey, I climbed all that, and these were all the wrong decisions I made. So here's an easier way. But you don't do that by just saying, hey, do as I say. You say, no, hey, look, I made these wrong decisions and you're vulnerable. And that makes them understand why they don't just come up that way. But here's the question you have to ask yourself. Are you climbing the right mountain? Now follow me on this. Are you climbing the right mountain? Because if your mountain looks like a good job and good finance and successful career and, and joy and pleasure and more toys and more boats and more RVs, if that's the mountain that you're climbing, you have nothing to offer your kids that matters. Hey son, here's how you get an RV. Okay, that's cool you know. But are you climbing the right mountain? Because as spiritual fathers, we need to be able to shout down to our kids, hey, the ultimate goal, son, the ultimate goal, daughter, is right there. 
Christ, satisfied in him. He's the only thing that matters. He's the top of the mountain. And look at all these wrong decisions that I've made. And now I have some perspective and I could shout down to you and say, here's the easiest way. Here it is. But you gotta be climbing the right mountain. Gotta be climbing the right mountain. But here's the reality too. Your kids are gonna have to make all their own decisions too. And even though you're shouting down, they may not listen to you. But keep shouting. Keep shouting. Your perspective in the Lord is valuable. Your understanding of the ultimate, the ultimate purpose of man in Christ is, is valuable. Your understanding of the gospel is valuable and your kids need it. In 1 Peter 4.10, Peter says, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. I always liked that verse because it's this idea that grace is something that we've been given to steward. Grace is something that God says, I'm gonna give you grace and then I want you to steward that grace so that you can give it to others. It's a cool thought. As fathers, that's our ultimate goal. God has given us so much grace. We have failed so many times and we will fail so many times and we get to be stewards of the grace that God has given us through our failures and pass that on to our kids when they fail. Hey, son, hey, daughter, I failed there too and God gave me grace in that and this is how he healed me. Here, passing it forward. How cool is that? How cool is that? But listen, you can only steward grace if you receive grace. You know, in the beginning, I talked this narrative of, 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 of the struggle and the guilt that we feel as dads. I mean, we, we just feel like we're failing. We feel like we're struggling. You cannot teach your kids to live in grace. You cannot teach your kids to grow in grace if you yourself are not choosing to believe it for yourself. I truly believe that God's heart for the, the fathers in this room this morning was not to beat you down with more things that you need to do. It was to say, start embracing the grace of God and let it change you so that you can be stewards of it for your kids. Start believing the gospel and let it transform your heart. Let it seep and trickle into every single part of the brokenness and sin in your heart. Let God's grace flush out your struggles and flush out your failures so that your kids can see how to do that. Before we can steward grace, you have to receive grace. Before you can shout down the hill and say, hey, here's the way up, you have to climb yourself. But you have to climb the right hill. So, what I'm saying is this. We're not Mr. Incredible, okay? Fathers, we're not. We're not Mr. Incredible, and you never will be. To be more than Mr. Incredible is to actually admit that you're not. To be more than Mr. Incredible is to say, you know what? I'm not the Christ. I'm not the Christ, but here is what he's done for me. And to lead in that way and to lead from that place Dads, I want you to take heart this morning. I want you to take heart this morning that your kids need your weakness. Don't waste your failures. Don't waste your weakness. Don't waste it by brushing it aside, compartmentalizing it or hiding it. Use your weakness as the greatest gift you can give to your kids so that they see how to be weak, 
so that they see how to struggle, so that they know the way that you struggle. And can I say one last thing that I just have to say? For those of you dads in here that your kids have moved out, don't stop. I see so often dads say, my kids have moved out and now I don't have to keep climbing. Now I don't have to keep embracing. Now I don't have to keep understanding the grace of God. I don't have to keep pressing up the hill because my kids are moved out. And a lot of times, you know what happens? The relationships start to shift and the kids become the parents and the parents become the kids because the parents stop The dads, stop. Listen to me, as a 27-year-old man, you still, we still want you to be our dad. We still want you to be our father. We still want you to lead us spiritually. We still want you to call and check on our heart. We still wanna hear what you're dealing with, what you're struggling with. It doesn't matter how old we are. It doesn't matter if we're adults. It doesn't matter if we have our own kids. Lead us through your weakness continually. Amen? Would you guys stand with me? Band's gonna go ahead and come up and hopefully they're all in here. Guys, we're gonna end with one more song. I just wanna give you guys this opportunity. Now, I know that message was for fathers, but it's, it's really for all of us. Okay, it's really for all of us. And I wanna invite you guys as we play this, uh, these guys play this last song. I, I just wanna ask you that, would you begin to actually allow God's grace to flush out these things? Would you actually allow God's grace to, to, to forgive you and to forgive yourself for where you feel like you're shortcoming as a father or as a Christian or as a man or as a woman so that you can begin to lead the way that God wants you to lead? So let's pray. Father, I just thank you this morning for the rest that comes in understanding this truth. That God, you didn't make us with the expectation that we would be the Christ that you, 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 you know we're flawed, you know we're fallen, and that our ultimate goal in life as spiritual leaders in any capacity, God, is simply to point to you. And Lord, I pray that like John the Baptist, God, that we would decrease, you may increase. God, that we would get out of the way, and that our kids would see you through our weakness that our friends would see you through our weakness, that our coworkers would see you through our weakness, through the way we repent, through the way that we depend on your grace and lean on your grace daily. Father, I pray for our church. There are so many amazing fathers in this church. I pray, God, that you would bring them peace and bring them comfort and the understanding that their kids are simply a stewardship. Holy Spirit, we just pray that you would begin to work in the hearts of each of us in this room right now as we sing this last song. Holy Spirit, would you please do work? Magnify Christ, we pray. In Jesus' name.